today we're just carrying on the series, um, the We Do Real series, and Pete's asked me to speak on love, um, that little four-lettered word that we're all so familiar with. And it just, uh, it just really got me thinking of, um, well, what is love? What's, what's real love? Um, and how do we do real love? Um, and during the past few weeks when I'm thinking about this, um, it's just really challenged me some of the things that I've sort of learned. Um, now, just as I speak, um, in the back of your mind, I just um, wanted you to hold on to um, these verses of scripture. And it's from Matthew 22. And this is when the Pharisees asked Jesus, um, uh, what is the greatest commandment of all? And this is what Jesus said. He said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. So love is the crux of the Christian faith. Um, now, last week, um, for those of you who are here, I shared just a little bit before um, the baptisms um, and said that I wasn't brought up as a Christian at all. And in fact, I basically never went into a church, really, until it was marriage season and a lot of our friends were getting married. Apart from one time, when I must have been about 14, and we um, had moved to a little village in the country, and um, there was just no one around. So for a 14-year-old, it was very boring. And I was desperate to meet people. So I thought, oh, okay, I will go along to the local church because, you know, church is supposed to be full of lovely people who love you and there'll be some really, really nice people there. Now, bearing in mind, I'd never really been in a church before. I wasn't sure of what the, um, you know, of what you did in a church. But I rocked up and it was old village church with one of those great big heavy doors. And it was like, the door opened and I walked in and I can tell you that everybody just turned around and stared at me and they went back to doing what they were doing and you can imagine being 14 I was very it's a very self-conscious self age so I sort of slunk in and sat down at the back and sort of sat through a very boring talk and then um, at the end of the the um, service the baskets came round for collection and I didn't know you had to put money in for collection. I was just that ignorant about church and I didn't have any money with me. And the looks of disdain I got were just quite shocking. Anyway, I scooted out of there and I thought, well, I'm never going back in a church again. It's su just full of such a bunch of hypocrites. There's no love in there and this whole Christian thing is just phony. Um, so <laughs> love, if love is the crux of the Christian faith, how come we just muck it up so often? I mean, love, I mean, it must be the most talked about thing. It must be the most sung about thing, the most written about thing. In churches, it must be, you know, one of the most common sermons that um, are, are given just really since time began. And I think um, all humanity longs for love. I think if, um, if we're honest, it's our deepest and most desperate need. I think many of us spend um, a very long time, if not an entire lifetime, searching for it. And I think many people have been really disappointed and really hurt by love. It causes such intense emotions, doesn't it? Um, 
just yesterday I was at a memorial service and um, a friend of mine had fallen ill and died um, very suddenly. And um, as I was just sitting there, the, the pain in that room was just so palpable. Um, and it was, you know, the people having lost someone that they, they love so much. So we use this word a lot, don't we? And I'm sure during this talk, I, I haven't counted out how many times I'm going to use the word love, but it'll be a lot. <laughs> um, you know, and I, just for some examples, you know, um, I love my husband. I love him deeply. Um, I've spent more years of my life with him than I have without of him, without him. I love my children. And that's a real intense, protective love. And um, my daughter went on her gap year just over a year ago, and she was going to work in a small rural village in Africa with no electricity, um, barely any running water. So hence, none of the modern luxuries. And I just didn't know how I was going to communicate with her. And I remember when we said goodbye to her at the airport and she disappeared through the barriers, I literally felt like part of me was being ripped off. Again, that intense feeling of, of love. But I love having a cup of tea in bed in the morning. And thank you for my cup of tea this morning. <laughs> um, I love surfing in the sea. I love Africa. I love the color blue. Um, I'm sure you can see where I'm going with this, that we use the word love in so many um, different ways. And when I use it, or we use it, we're trusting that people will um, put that word love through a filter and it'll come out the other end with the correct understanding. Because I'm sure, um, and I hope, and I trust that you would um, realize that the love I have for my husband is very different from the love I have for a cup of tea in bed in the morning. <laughs> Um, and it gets complicated as well because people perceive love in such a different way and the thoughts of what love is is so different and I think it's so dependent on their past experiences of how they have experienced love. Um, so it makes trying to love people challenging and then when we get on to talking about Christian love then things can get an awful lot more confusing. I'll tell you a story of um, a, a man that over the past few years I've got to know. Um, he does odd jobs. Um, for those of you who've been to our home, you'll know that we live in the country. So there are a lot of jobs of cutting down trees and putting fences up and things like that. And that's the type of thing that he does. Um, and it's how I got to, got to know him. Now, um, this chap, he was rejected at birth by his mum. She left him on the doorstep of an orphanage in Oxfordshire. He then spent his time growing up in various um, institutions, which he hated. I don't know much of the details, but I just know that he hated them. And age 13, he ran away from home, and he's been living on his own ever since. Um, he is currently homeless. Um, he chooses to be like that because he doesn't want to share a home with anyone else. So he lives in the back of his Land Rover. He finds um, relationships with other people very, very difficult. And he just says to me, well, I've never been loved. Um, and I'm always going to be on my own. And that's the way I want it to be. And it's heartbreaking. So over the years, um, I've tried to reach out to him um, by 
offering him work um, when we need it. I cook him meals. I sometimes do his washing. Um, there have been times when I've offered him a bed as I couldn't bear the thought of him sleeping in the back of the Land Rover when, I don't know if you remember that really cold winter we had when it was absolutely freezing. Um, he was sleeping in the back of a Land Rover up in the woods behind us. Um, it's not easy, and I'm not saying that I've got it sussed at all. It's very, very difficult because he has no comprehension of love. So he often misinterprets what I do um, because he, 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 the boundaries can get very confused. Um, and it's hard. Um, I talk to him about God and things, but he is just in that place where he can't even comprehend that God would love him. He just sees himself as very unlovable. And it's really, really sad. Um, and I just pray that, you know, one day he will come to meet God. And I just pray that, you know, I'll do a better job at trying to love him and look after him. Um, and I think there are so many people out there like that, um, people that are challenging to love, but yet they're desperate for love. Um, so why do we get so confused about um, love? I, th I think in part, in the um, English language, we've obviously just got one word for love, and um, that can cause limitations. Um, in the Greek language, which of course is when um, a, a lot of the Bible was written in Greek, there are actually four different words for love. Um, and there's the word um, eros, and that is used for sort of natural, natural physical love, erotic love, the love that you have for um, husbands, for wives. And then there's filio love, which is a friendship love, sort of between um, peoples, so you have common interests and you get on together. Um, there's storge love, which is like an instinctive love, so that's more the type of love that a parent would have for their child. And then they have agape love. Um, and agape love is God's love. And God's love, um, is that, that word love means a love that is lavished on someone without a thought whether they're worthy or not for that love. So the first three I mentioned, the, the eros, the filio, I'm not, I might not even be pronouncing it properly because I don't know Greek, and storge, I, I suppose what you would call as human loves. And the fourth one, agape, is, is God's love. And human love and God's love are actually complete opposites. Of course, we're all born with human love, um, and we wouldn't actually get on very well in life without human love. I mean, it would be a pretty sad state if I had no eros love for my husband, or I didn't have any filio love for my mates. Um, or I didn't have that instinctive love for my children. Of course, we have those loves, and um, they're a gift from God, and he wants us to use them. But unless they're based on the foundation of God's love, it is so easy to distort those and to get in a mess. And I think you can only just look around society, can't you, and just see um, how many relationships are wrecked, you know, how many broken homes there are, how easy it is to hurt someone. And I think it's because so often we just operate out of those natural human loves, as if it were. I think, 
as well, um, it is very easy to look for love in the wrong places. Um, I, I well, as again, I think that it's sort of natural human instinct that we look horizontally, as if it were, for um, for love. So we look to people, we look to our partners totally, we look to friends. Um, and what God wants us to do is look vertically. He wants us to look to him for love. And then the other um, things start to fall in place. Now, I'm not saying it's easy, and to be honest, I think I operate out of the human love, the horizontal love, probably 99.9% .9 of time. Um, but doing this talk, it's just really challenged me to think of you know, how to um, operate more out of, out of God's love. And I realize it's not very easy. C.S. Lewis wrote that um, human love is always a need love with self-centered motives. But God's love is always a gift of love with no strings attached. So what actually is God's love? What is um, agape? It says in 1 John 4 that God is love. So God doesn't just know how to love, he is love. And um, a very familiar passage that's very often uh, read at weddings gives us a picture of what God's love is. Um, and it's 1 Corinthians 13, and um, I'll read it to you, and I'm reading a sort of modern version um, rather than a traditional version. And it says, um, Love is very patient and kind, never jealous or envious, never boastful or proud, never haughty or selfish or rude. Love doesn't demand its own way, it's not irritable or touchy. It doesn't hold grudges and will hardly ever even notice when others do it wrong. It's never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. If you love someone, you will be loyal to him no matter what the cost. You will always believe in him, always expect the best of him and always stand your ground in defending him. All the special gifts and powers from God will someday come to an end, but love goes on forever. And I just think that it's just such a beautiful picture of what God's love is. Um, you could actually put, um, in, instead of love, you could put Jesus, um, in, in superimposed Jesus there. So Jesus is very patient and kind, never jealous, etc. And it just gives you that um, sort of picture of what God is, who God is, and what love is all about. So how can God's love do all of those things? And the answer is because it's supernatural love. God's love is only dependent on him. It doesn't matter what we feel or what we think about it. He is always faithful. He was, he's always trustworthy. He's always there for us. His love is unconditional. And that means it doesn't matter what. 
doesn't matter what's going on in our lives, doesn't matter what we do, doesn't matter what we think, doesn't ma matter how we respond to him. It just keeps on coming. It never ends. It just keeps on coming and coming and coming. In contrast, human love so often has conditions attached to it. It's I love you if or I love you because. Um, you know, I love you because you're beautiful. Um, and that just so often leads to fear and insecurity. I mean, I'm sure you've told your loved ones how beautiful they are, how lovely they are. But a true fact of life is beauty fades. You know, when you're a 20-something bombshell, when you're 77, physically, you're not going to quite look the same. And so it's easy for that little voice to creep into your mind of, well, I'm getting old and wrinkly, my beauty's fading. Is he going to love me as much as he did? Because that sort of love is, you know, there's a con condition attached to it. So it can lead to people just being very afraid and insecure about that. God's love is one-sided. And that means it doesn't have to be returned in order for his love to be kept alive. We can keep on throwing it back at him. We can just not accept it, but he just keeps on giving it and giving it and giving it to us. And again, human love so often is two-sided. I'm sure if you think about relationships, it's great if they're going well, but when they start to fall apart and we're not getting what we want from it, it's very, very hard to keep that love going and alive. And God's love is a freeing love because it doesn't make any demands on us. It just lets you be the person, your re you, person you really are, the person that he's designed you to be. So when I was sort of thinking and praying about all these things, I just was thinking, gosh, um, I know you can never fully understand God. God is beyond understanding. I thought, well, okay, I get that bit. He's beyond understanding. Then I thought, well, God is love. It says in the Bible, God is love. So logically, it led me to think, well, I'm never actually going to understand his love. I'm never going to fully understand it. It's just beyond our comprehension. I just think it's awesome that it doesn't matter what we think, what we say, what we do, that he just keeps on giving us this love. I just found that pretty mind-blowing. So this incredible love, you know, how do, we, how do we receive that? I think God created us with two needs. I think he created us um, to be loved. I think he created us to love. And I think God's love is the only love that's going to really satisfy our need to be loved. Um, yeah, we were talking about human love earlier on, and yes, that's amazing and wonderful, but the most satisfying love is God's love. I think it's where we get our ultimate security and identity from. And the amazing thing is God's love is a gift. And as the, in the C.S. Uh, Lewis quote, it's a gift with no strings attached. And we just have to receive it. We just have to accept his gift. I know um, um, 
that often people struggle, struggle with unworthiness, um, like the chap I was uh, telling you about earlier on. Um, and we have a poor self-image, and we just can't believe that the God of the universe can, can love us. And so we refuse to accept it. But that doesn't mean that it's not there. It's that we ha it just means that we have chosen not to accept this love. But guess what? We're never going to be worthy. I mean, how can we possibly be as worthy as the God of the universe? There's nothing that we can do that will make God love us any more. And there's nothing that we can do that will make him love us any less. So we just, by faith, have to accept his gift of love. Um, now, I could go on talking about love for a very long time, but I just thought I would um, touch on the uh, how do we do real love, as this is the sort of the, the series of talks we're in at the moment. How, how can we become a more loving um, community? How can we become more genuine, um, more kind? How can we be authentic in our faith? I wonder if you're honest, and I know it's, this certainly applies to me. Um, w there may be times when you're all smiles on the outside, and you're doing what you know you should be doing, trying to love someone, you know, trying to act out the Christian faith. But on the inside, there seems to be very little love to give. Some people are really easy to love, aren't they? It's really easy to love our friends. Um, but some people are just very, very difficult. Those people that um, hurt you, um, people that just um, refuse to be loved. So how on earth can we love them? And the one thing I realized doing this talk is actually it's not us that has to do that type of loving. It's God that does that type of loving. And if we um, allow ourselves to be, the, Scott was talking about, the cha a channel for God's love, if we allow God to work through us, then we can show his love to other people around us. God's love doesn't just fall out of heaven. It comes through us. It comes through his people. And he loves doing that. I think he just loves having a bit of fun. He loves choosing certain people to love other people, often the most unlikely ones. Um, and I think it just gives him great pleasure. And he just, you know, I, I think he does, he looks down, he just thinks, you know, wouldn't it just be so great to see, um, you know, Misty go and, and, and sort of love, I don't know, some, some t young teenager who's being very, very difficult for her. Um, now, no one's perfect, and I'm not saying that this is easy in any ways, but the way I sort of see it, it's if we are open to receiving God's love ourselves and accept that free gift, we are then able to channel that love to other people. Now, things get in the way and block it up, a bit like a blocked pipe, and those things are... Um, you know, negative thoughts or irritations or just when we're in a, in a bad place. And that can just obstruct that flow of love from God, from God 
through us to other people. So there are three things that we can do about that. You can either um, vent it and just sort of blow up and get really, really angry. <laughs> you can either bury it and just sit on it, or you can give it to God. Now, if you sort of blow up and vent it, or if you bury it, you're not actually dealing with your problem, your irritation. It's still there. Whereas if you give it to God, you're actually handing the problem to him. So just for an example, just if trying to, um, to love somebody who is just really, really awkward, and the whole time you feel like you're banging your head against a brick wall, you're feeling upset and hurt about it, and you just think, I just can't do this, I can't do this. And of course, you can't do it in human terms as if it were. You actually need God's help. And so when that happens, I would just encourage you to just hand all those thoughts to God and just say, well, I can't do, I can't do this. Drives me mad, so-and-so. I just can't do it. God, can you take all my <laughs> frustrations, Lord, and help me to love that person with your love? And I think that... Um, you know, will result in quite amazing things. So I would encourage you to just give it a go, to see, see what happens. Um, I would, as well, not fall into the trap of thinking we've got it all sussed out. Um, I would uh, challenge you. I don't think that we can call ourselves true Christians if we can't love people. I think there is always room to grow. There's always room to mature in our faith. And being mature, I don't think, is, is like, um, oh, I'm going to umpteen prayer we meetings a week, and I go to church every Sunday, and my ministry is really growing. If that is not, th those, are, those are good things, but if that is the basis of how we view um, our walk with God, I think we're just on the wrong track. I think if our love is not growing, our love of God is not growing, then we're never going to be able to love others, as it said in, in um, Jesus' commandment, love others as um, you love yourself. So I told you I'd be saying love quite a lot of times. <laughs> um, now, I just thought it would be great to 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 just stand um, now, I've just get the band the band able to just come back. Um, when we were worshiping um, uh, earlier on this morning, I just had a real sense that there was quite a lot um, of feelings of hurt and rejection in the room, um, and I felt God saying that He wants to show and demonstrate His love um, to all of us, but in particular to those that are feeling hurt and rejected. So I suggest we stand. Um. And then I'm just going to pray. Lord God, um, you are just so awesome. Our awesome, awesome God, God of the universe. God, you are love. 
And I thank you, God, that you just want to do nothing more than lavish your perfect love upon your people. So, Lord God, I pray now that you come in power and you pour your love on your people. Lord, I pray that you open people's heart to receive your God, to receive your love. God loves us unconditionally. That means there's no strings attached. He loves us wholeheartedly and he loves us continually. So Jesus, we thank you for those truths, Lord, and just ask for more of you now. Just more of your love. And Lord, I particularly pray for those who are hurting, Lord. And I particularly pray for those who are feeling rejected. And Lord, I just ask that you minister deeply to them, Lord. Reveal yourself in a new and fresh way, I pray. And Lord God, I just ask as well that you expand our capacity to love. Lord, teach us and show us how to love with your love. Help us to love in your way. So we just pray for more of you, Jesus. Just more of you.